Okay, guys. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for joining our space. There's uh, a bunch of you. I can't even. I lost count quite a while back. But uh, my name is Dave. I am, um, I guess, what am I, Colin, the head of operations for this? Yeah, outfit? yeah. I, I think I think we'll just promote you now. Yeah, you there, really are. There you go. <laughs> and uh, so we are going to talk about. For lack of a better term, I put it in the I put it in the announcement. We're we're going to talk about how to behave as adults in the NFT space, and the responsibilities, the to that you have to your holders if you are a creator, the the standards that we're going to hold ourselves to, obviously, and the fact that we think that everything should be doxed, overdoxed. We're saying hashtag overdoxed. From a legal perspective, you need to know what we're doing. From a personal perspective, you need to know who we are. And obviously, from a business perspective, you need to know what we are doing, what our plan is. Not only for Gothies, which is our first intellectual property or IP when you hear the term IP, but you also need to understand what Bazinga Games, the overall holding company, is doing not only for Gothies, but also for the other properties that we have coming on board, right? And that's just for us. Now we've got some we've got some speakers also that are with other projects, and I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves here in just a moment. But we're also going to talk about how they subscribe to the same point of view that we do. In other words, be a freaking adult and take responsibility. We're going to talk about what are we going to talk about, actually, from an agenda standpoint? We're going, to talk, we're going to talk about the business of Web3, obviously. What does it mean to run it like a business? What does it mean to be docs? What does it mean to have transparency, business fundamentals? How do you structure yourself? And if you're not structured as a business and you're running a project in the, in, in the NFT space or Web3 space, what are you doing? You're, you missed a step, right? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about legal aspects of business. And why does that need to be transparent? We're going to talk about consumer expectations. Why are they so low? Why is it that I see a video of a mother who loses her shit because there's no pickles on her Big Mac? And yet someone's going to lose $1,000 on an NFT and just say, oh, I got rugged. Seriously, what the hell? Consumer behavior. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why good projects fail if they don't get an instant return for their holders. And then, if we have time, we'll let you we'll let some of you guys up on stage and and actually ask us some questions and and hope that that works out for the best. <laughs> but at first, uh, I want to introduce Colin. He's the CEO of Bazinga Games or Bazinga Holdings. And uh, Colin, welcome. How are you doing? I'm just fine. And yourself? Oh, I'm doing just great. <clears throat> no, we have a lot of people. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm 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 actually the least important person here. I I want I want our I want our other speakers to talk because people who have listened to me, man, I will take up two hours and probably not even take a breath. I can go I can breathe through my eyes when I start going. So let's do the others. All right, let's do the others. So first up, we're gonna we're gonna do in the or in the order in which you arrived, Hotel Hero. You're first. I know you're docs, but I don't want to. I don't want to dox you myself. So I'm going to let you just introduce yourself, talk about your project, all that jazz, and then we'll and then we'll we'll get to Guardian. 
All right. Um, uh, my name is Hoddle Hero. I also go by Ty Orser in my regular day life. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of The Chip, which is a project that's based around um, consolidating all of the user tools that are on the market for buying NFTs uh, with a secondary goal of creating a proprietary AI in the future. Um, big part of that for us is alpha and security. Um, it's a huge focus for us. Part of our team is developing a security um, firm for NFTs uh, as a secondary project. And uh, yeah, that's that's the gist. That's the quick TLDR. Um, always happy to share more info on the project if I'm asked. Of course, we'll get to you too, right? And Guardian, what have you got for us, my man? Howdy. I am Guardian 272 also known as Jacob Mendez in the real world. Um, so I am the community manager for the chip and I have a full-time job as a digital platform specialist, networking specialist, and an NFT consultant for a smaller US uh, based social media company. Yeah, pretty much of everything I do. Uh, I've been in the space for like the NFT Web3 space, um, trading for about six months. And now I work full-time in the space as of February of this year. Well, fantastic. One day I'm going to get to work full-time in the space, maybe. We're expecting some other creators from um, other projects as well. Like, um, for example, we're talking about the uh, Inventors NFT um, I believe hedge fund hyenas is going to make an appearance at some point oh. in time. Hopefully hey. if they, they make it, um, hey, what about, of others as well. what What's about that? Fronten? Fronten probably wants to talk. Well, I haven't seen a, <laughs> he's like, no, he's like, Maybe no, not. I don't want to, no, he doesn't want to talk. All right, fine. That's okay. That is a okay. So um, yeah. So what we've got is um, Sterling. Come on. Okay. So what we've Sterling. got to start with, right? Is let's talk about let's talk about and and any of you three can start. What what does it what does it mean to start and run your own business from a Web three standpoint? And this this includes this includes doxing. You know, how transparent you are, what, what business fundamentals you're following, all that jazz. Who wants to start? Well, I'll do it. So that, that's, <laughs> no, I mean, well, screw it. I got to, I got to it faster. So, so why is it that the, 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 the name Web3 implies some kind of different behavior than running a business in the real world. So the way that I would apply this for everybody here is, let's say that 80% of you work a job for somebody with companies, whatever, in real life. Maybe 20% of you are really lucky and you're doing Web3. So why is it that there's this brand new name that allows everybody to say there's a new way of doing it, which is, is just a complete lie. It's bullshit. So, so, it's not Web3, it's running a business, right? I mean, from the moment that, that Skimp and I started talking about this, I was already talking to my corporate lawyer. I was already looking at forming multiple different companies, going through the steps. 
I mean, <clears throat> by by the time that I actually met David and we were adding people and this went from some kind of hokey idea to the property, I, I was hip deep in paperwork, uh, LLCs. I, I mean, Web3 means nothing. You run it like a business or you don't. And that's what absolutely scares me is you can have passion. Most, most, most companies are started because you're good at something or you, you have a new idea, you're, you're creating, you're changing. That's fine. But I also have found over my experience doing a lot of companies and a lot of failures that the basics just aren't done. People, people don't go through it because you're so invested in, oh my God, this is great. And I have this idea. So, I mean, that's my response is, it doesn't matter if it's Web3, from the outset, this stuff should be there and it should be readily available. I mean, you can search us up, like we are Texas LLCs. We have Jones and Sprouse as a law firm. They have 42 lawyers. Da, 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 da. Like all of this is publicly available info. And this, this is all part of what I believe these companies should be doing. I, I'm not knocking anybody for not having it now. I'm saying this should be the standard, which within the next two years, I think you will see that. And I also will tell you that I think it's going to come from the government stepping in. This, this is just like the dot-coms. This is very much like the mortgage crisis. This is very much, you see these cycles where there's a whole lot of hype. There's a whole lot of money movement. The government finally catches up. ICOs was a great example. A lot of money was made, not a lot of organization. This is going to follow the same thing. And people will either go to jail or any other number of bad things. So there's my rant. Who's next? Come on, come on. Yeah. That's not hard to follow up on. You, you, <laughs> come on. I think it's just, yeah, I would agree with what you had said before. I think it's just a major disconnect right now just because of, I mean, in the end, it's relatively easy to get an NFT put up onto OpenSea, Magic Eden, Solonar, you name it. I mean, I've done a lot of the back end for that recently through uh, working for the social media company. And just to the process of that, it's real, it's fairly easy. And a lot of people think that it's, okay, I have a cool idea. Let's build this project around it and just see where it goes. Not realizing that a lot of projects that people are starting, they're essentially like a, a, a small startup company or a Kickstarter. Because unless you have the capital available to just pump your roadmap without regardless of the mint you're not going to be able to do it and these people they're looking as they're looking towards the roadmap as being the end goal for their project that that moment where you sell off the mint and you have just this you have thousands to even millions of dollars worth of crypto in your collection wallet the problem being that they hit that marker not realizing that that's it's not the end goal. That's, that's the starting line. That's when your company that you've now started is taking off. So now people, I've seen a lot of smaller projects where they have a good mint, they sell out quick. And then all of a sudden there's just, it's radio silence. There's nothing because now they're scrambling to try to hire people, developers, programmers, coders, 
musicians, more artists for their art team to then try to fill the roadmap. They had they didn't look past the mint because they were so worried about whether or not they're gonna mint. And I think that's that's a failure on the part of the creators, um, the exper- the inexperienced ones. If you don't know what you're doing, you should find somebody that does and either hire them onto your team or have them work like just having them work alongside you essentially if you don't know what you're doing you should find somebody that does um and well yeah so so right so right there it's like ask for help so so look for everybody who's on this call hasn't met me i have a degree in entrepreneurship i've been doing startups since 94. um obviously they're not all successful it doesn't matter. It's just what I do. And I really enjoy it. Um, You don't get anywhere by not asking for help. It has been a very hard lesson for me. And the team that we have for the Bazinga properties is because I have finally just realized I'm really good at a certain number of things. I'm not a technologist like Eric. I am not a creative like Skip. I, I, you know, honest to God, what, what David does professionally, I, I adore him, and th- that's a special talent because he's organized. You know, so you get, you have to ask for help. You know, so, so where, where Guardian is going, one of the other things that I would want to throw in there is everybody better pay attention. Coinbase being one of the biggest is you know communicating with the u.s government about taxes now this year taxes and crypto is a shit show next year it'll be a little better and the third year they're gonna find you and so unless you're planning on getting into this whole thing of let's move money around or i'm not going to convert it into u.s dollars and therefore you just have paper wealth you have to think like this which is if you are not doing a personal art project and you are making statements that you are going to deliver a product or service and you don't deliver, you can be brought up on charges of wire fraud. That is currently happening in New York State. So this business thing, the reason I'm so hot about it is I'm not going to jail and I'm not letting my team go to jail because we didn't do the basics. If you're doing a personal art project, you don't need to go to this. But for the people who, the the co-founders here, and a lot of the people who are listening, like, you've got to think about the implications. The implications of a poorly run NFT project, business, whatever, may one day come back and haunt the people who have spent money on it. So I'm not predicting the future. I'm asking you to think about it. Okay, so Guardian, this is me playing tennis. You you get to do the next one. Maybe maybe, maybe Hero jumps in. Come on. I'd be ha- I'd be happy to jump in. Um, is my audio all right? Still, I had to switch off of Wi-Fi, unfortunately. Yeah, you're still good. Okay, yeah. So for well, some context, um, Colin has been working as an entrepreneurial leader since before I was born. Um, sorry, Colin. Um, <laughs> But uh, for us, like one of the biggest aspects of what we're doing is 
our project started as just an idea and it very quickly gained traction in the community because people wanted to see it come true. And so for us, it was just from that point on, it was just networking. So we've networked with projects ranging from, uh, let's see, fluff, the whole fluff world, um, uh, conglomerate, as well as uh, Tron Wars, uh, AUK, which is a smaller one that most of you most likely haven't heard of. Uh, now Gothies, Genesis Mob, uh, we have a long list. So for us, that networking piece is super key because we came into it without funding. Um, so finding people that were willing to help along the way, uh, as Colin kind of spoke to, was super, super important to getting us to where we are now. That being said, um, we are still a couple months away from Mint and do have a lot of legal work to do. And uh, business structure is very important. So it's been way, way too longer than it had to, or had to be. But uh, now we have that connection with Colin and Garth and uh, we'll, we'll move from there and see how it goes. But uh, I agree with what Colin is saying. Like if you're not here for the long run, um, you probably shouldn't be here. So a lot of these projects and Guardian spoke to it as well. They have their roadmap, it gets them to their mint and then what? So for us, a big piece of building out the way the chip was going to be uh, presented to the community was putting out, I believe right now, all we have out live is a two-year action plan, um, which is still significantly longer than the majority of projects out there. Uh, most roadmaps are generally structured for uh, about three months. And then after that, it's uh, hopefully they put out roadmap two kind of situation. And you don't want to be caught in a project where you don't know what's going to happen next. Because uh, generally that means that there was poor planning in advance. Um, there should at least be some form of teaser as to what's next. Just that way you know that there is actually a plan for what's next. It's important. Um, yeah, short-term projects, generally you'll see them spike really fast because of hype um, and die off very, very quickly. Uh, the most hyped project I've ever been a part of was Hate Beast. Uh, they never really offered much for roadmap. They just said, hey, this is what we want to do and uh, grew significantly with some great marketing. I think, and Guardian, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe their Discord hit a peak of just over 600,000 members. Um, unfortunately, when all you offer is hype um, without any secure plans, you have a floor price like they do now. So they started out, I believe, the first week it hovered between 10 ETH and 7 ETH. Um, as of right now, their floor price, and someone can probably correct me if they're wrong, if I'm wrong because I'm not on OpenSea at the moment, but last time I checked was 0.98. So to drop from 10 ETH to under an ETH because of a failure to execute on plans um, and even just a failure to release them is, is really common in the space, and you just need to be careful when you're out there looking at those kind of projects. So you say that, and, and to, to go back full circle to something that Colin said earlier is, you compared this to the dot coms and or the dot bombs, right? Because mm -hmm. everybody had a dot com. Everybody was making money hand over fist. Hell, so did I in the stock market back then. I was still running a bank. And the overriding factor of when that bubble burst was the fact that who survived, right? Though the ones that survived had proper business fundamentals. Amazon, sure, Amazon was not profitable, but they had the fundamentals in place. They knew what their plan was and they executed, right? The rest were just hillbillies out there. Hey, we're going to make a buck on the dot com boom because everybody that has a dot com is making money, but they didn't have a long term plan, right? And 
some a lot of you don't know me personally, but I shelved my own metaverse project when I joined Gothies. And at the time, our you know, our, our white paper is still lingering out there. We have a three year roadmap in terms of what we and we we had a game that was already built before we even started. And and so we've we've put that on hiatus. My my CTO is still building stuff, but it's it's on hiatus for now. And but that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Go to market with a plan. Long term and short term, it's proper business, right? And and what Colin alluded to, I'm a product manager for the largest healthcare company in the United States. I am the innovation lead innovation product manager. So my team sits around all day and thinks shit up and then we go execute. And the idea there is we have to have a roadmap that goes out for at least 18 months to two years because half the stuff we do are, is going to fail. And we know that, but we want to be right more often than we're wrong. Doesn't always happen that way. In the NFT market, it's the same thing. You need to have contingency plans. You have to have a long-term vision. And if your short-term doesn't quite work out, then there's plan B. And every time you see one of these, you know, I don't want to say that they're all rugs. A lot of them are, fu- are, are fundamentally sound, but then when their plan A fails, they've got no backup oh. whatsoever. Nothing. And I think, I think, I think that is entire. So what we're all going back to is, <clears throat> you know, what, what hero, what, what all three of us right now, actually, including Cardi, what we're all saying is the hard work starts when you get the money. I mean, I went through VCs and Angel and, you know, Dex and, oh, my God, there is a way to go and get there. And the hard work started when you got the money. And, and I mean, look, I'm just I, I'll give you a great example. I, I worked at a lot of brilliant startups that were <clears throat> 10 years ahead I mean, what they were talking about actually came true. They were 10 years ahead. And I remember sitting in a room full of 50 people where the CEO walked in and went, hey, so we're laying you all off. We spent all the money. I mean, that was it. That was it. That was like Thursday morning. And, you know, back when that was happening, I was like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. No, the worst thing ever is to be one of the people they keep around. So you have to keep the zombie alive. Like... Now we're going back into this same thing. People, people are not planning for what would they actually do with the money and the consequences. And by the way, just so that this is recorded and noted, I never asked him to put it on hold, and I fully support his project, and we are going to bring it back to life. Don't, 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 you, don't you put your baggage on me. I'm not. I'm not, dude. I am not. And we'll, we'll get back to it, right? But, you know, quite honestly... Yeah, the game the game was done. We just we needed to do some back end stuff, and it was boring for everybody else. So why not just do it while I'm doing this? And and anyway, um, those of you those of you that wanted to come up, um, we'll 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 start letting you guys up here in just a little bit as we get. Well, well, so the the thing is, is that so our next one was legal, right? Is that our next topic? Yeah, our next one was legal. So so before we do that, why don't we? Why don't we let them ask? Because otherwise, they're going to lose what they're they're shooting for right now. All right, um, we'll, we'll bring you can up. I, can I pause uh, you guys Sterling, for a quick second? MK. Hold on, hold yep. on. Hero, Hero's got something. Okay, Hero. We've got, um, we've got Zen on now, which is uh, his role in the chip is he's the, he's our networking coordinator. So maybe oh. just a quick introduction from Zen. Oh, Zen. Yes, please. 
Zen, sorry to put you on the spot, but do you mind giving a quick introduction just to who you are, what you work on, and who you work with? Hey guys, yeah, so as um, Huddle um, has said, um, my name's Zen, um, I'm from the Fluffwood ecosystem, um, primarily I'm a community events organizer um, for the Party Bear project, which has just been absorbed by the Fluffworld company, Non-Fungible Labs, um, so now they are they were always acting as one, but now they are officially one. Um, and so my act, uh, my role also in the chip, um, as Hurdle said, was um, sort of a networking um, person. My, my job is to basically find anyone who we don't have and, and anyone who, who we perhaps need. And sort of that's how um, our first connection with a AUK began. Um, and much of you know, Many of you know David, um, um, possibly, and if you don't, I'm sure we can introduce you. Um, but basically, he, he's from Taiwan, and obviously they they use they have a lot of crypto uh, money and backing there, and a lot of programmers and things like that on their back end, as well as crowdfunding. And we uh, in the chip never plan to have uh, crowdfunding ourselves. We were always going to fund the project uh, together and slow build it out. We were never going to rush. Um, and I love that um, host from Gothies and Colin, your approach is bang on. You have to have all of the foundations set into place perfect before you uh, want to actually launch and go ahead with something, um, which is obviously 80% of the projects in the market right now, um, are basically looking to do that with their mint funds, which is, is sad to see, but then the funding also has to come from somewhere. So um, it is a process that obviously is in place for a reason, but um, that's where this discussion comes into place, where we as the community do need to hold people accountable and make sure they're following through with what they're promising. Fantastic, Zen. Thank you very much. And I know, uh, let's say we had an author, NK, I invited you back up to speak if you'd like to. Uh, you can come back up and gar. Uh, oh, it was it was Starling. Starling had a question. If it's Garth, do not let Garth talk. <laughs> it wasn't really a question. It was just uh, Colin going back to what you said um, regarding founders and, and on, anonymity and a famous quote you had about pandas and all that crap. Oh, no, no, I'm not oh, going to no. go there. I'm go there. No, I'm not going to go there. But the point I wanted to make was. I think we have confused what blockchain technology means. It's not anonymity. We don't have the right to be anonymous. Heck, anyone can go to Etherscan right now and put the pieces together and find out who's making what transactions. There's entire accounts dedicated to it. But a lot of us, we were introduced to blockchain and Bitcoin uh, through, um, through Silk Road. And the anonymous trans, the so-called, so unquote, quote, anonymous transactions. And the media started adopting anonymity and it sort of has bled over into, this is a pure libertarian lawless land. Uh, we don't have, we don't need the government. We don't need regulations. We have the right to do whatever we want. And it's funded over into our transactions. So what we initially have seen is um, for some reason, founders, like you said, Colin, have felt the need to uh, say, hey, wait, we are going to protect our own identities because of malicious actors in the space. Well, we're investors. 
uh, I think someone mentioned it earlier, but I've always seen this and described this space as an NFT, a good NFT project is an investment into a into a company. It's a hybrid IPO slash funding round. And you have the right to know who you're working with, who you're investing in. And you have every right to understand, like David was saying, uh, you know, the roadmap and a detailed roadmap. I want to know what your plan is after, you know, we sell out and all of a sudden we hit a snag and the community sours on you. How do you plan on dealing with that? I mean, these are things teams and businesses think about and should be thinking about. And we're going to see more professionals in this space because of that. And that's all I wanted to say. No, and, and so, like, okay, so that's, that's absolutely perfect for everybody who's listening. Like, it, it, okay, so I, I'm, I'm so afraid of these things being treated and called an investment in a security just because I happen to work <clears throat> with a, a financial firm. And, oh, my God, the moment – the moment you're talking about investment securities, audit compliance, it's it's frightening, but it's gonna happen. Okay, so so on on Sterling's point, like would you would you actually go and and go to a restaurant that, that everything was hidden? Would you would you go and buy something? Like you have to think about it in that sense. Like this is kind of messed up. So the Silk Road thing, didn't his ass go to jail? So, oh yeah, sorry. yeah. I think so. Okay, okay. So, so the other way that I want to express this is, y'all should be terrified. <clears throat> like, think, think about it. Think about it like this: What risk do I have putting my name? Like, okay, I, I don't have some stupid Twitter name. You can look me up. You can see I like photography. You can find my LinkedIn. What do I risk by putting myself out there? I mean, okay, so that, that's that's how I think. What am I risking? Well, not a whole lot. You can find me anyway. And if you have a little bit of time, just like Sterling said, you could find me. So if you're looking at these things, why would you not go, wait, if, if they're hiding? So, so from a business point of view, the first thing I think is they're lying. Number two is they don't know what they're doing. Number three is they absolutely know that this is just a mass transference of wealth from one group to another. There is a limited time window and they might win the lottery and get away with it. I mean, it, let's just be honest about what's going on. And um, I mean, okay, look at Pixelmon. I saw a funny tweet earlier that said, have you noticed that Pixelmon hasn't done any social but In content? 55 days. Yep. I saw that. Too. Yeah. So, so where did they go? I know so where I they went. Give you a bit of inside info on um, Pixelmon. They're currently being absorbed by a company at the moment. Oh, no, no, no. Their assets are being absorbed. Whoever got the $75 million just bought a Learjet and went to another country. Yeah. They I said mean, they had 500 engineers, though, Colin, so, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, well. So, you know, and let's look at the other one. You know, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything about Moonbirds other than Moonbirds is successful because Kevin Rose put his name on it. Is there a plan? Not really. Is there any thought to it? Not really. But you know what? Kevin Rose is a badass, and he has built and sold companies. So by definition, they'll probably do pretty good. I don't know what they'll deliver, but I look at that, and I'm like, I'm not really sure that's a business plan. Like, you know, K 
Kevin Rose is the business plan, then hey, you know what? Fine. I would love that kind of money for myself and our projects and our communities. Okay, so moving on, who else has questions before we start talking about legal? Because that's that's a whole new swallow your tongue. I'll just I'll wrap more. I'll wrap up this this part with just one little thing to say that there was a there was a time when we were first starting out that one enterprising person went out and uh, looked up our business, looked up oh. our trademark, oh. skips freaking address. Oh my and, god! And then I guess expecting, or I'm not sure if the, how they expected us to react, and we were like, okay, so who, that's who, fine. Who was that? I don't. That remember. was me. Sorry. Oh, okay. That's oh, that why I you? love you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're the one. You're <laughs> yeah. the one who found our trademark. Well, yeah. I want to blame Lady Sparks real quick. Uh, she had been teasing you guys all week, and I don't like not knowing things, so I just. Oh. Uh, you may oh. have paid to suppress Google, but you didn't. You didn't suppress uh, suppress DuckDuckGo. Well, no, but so so look at look at look at that. If for everybody who's listening, do you realize what you just heard? So we started. Okay, multiple companies, lawyers, trademark. You think I'm fucking around? I was doing that long before. We were even talking about a Discord or a website, and the fact that the fact that you found that actually made me laugh because that's when you and I started talking. I was like, "Yes, like somebody cares enough to to validate the money that I'm spending on my lawyers." Because I mean, I basically built his pool. Nothing. Okay. Wow. Yeah. No. Not only did you, he also sent his kid to college. So. No, oh, yeah, no. Don't, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> okay, so do we want to play on legal? I think we can play. Unless, Movich, did you have a question? You just came up. Um, I didn't have a question. I was just kind of wanted to join in on the conversation. And, you know, one of the things that really frustrates me with this space is, number one, the fact that it's a fluid space. It's changing every day. So what was acceptable yesterday may not necessarily be acceptable tomorrow. And people have to kind of keep up with that. And I know that's frustrating for people. I know there's a lot of people that are in the space for different reasons. And then the other thing is, I feel like we lack a basic um, definition set for a lot of these things. So I'll give you a good example. I think docs is a great word for this. Um, a great example of this rather, where you go to some project, Project X, right? And you get on their Discord server and you start talking to people and you go, hey, uh, is the team behind this doxxed? And people go, yeah, yeah, they're doxxed. They're on their website. And you go to the website and it's a bunch of first names with pictures of the artwork for the project. There's no links to any social media profiles. There's no links to any LinkedIn profiles. And there's a lot of people who consider that doxing of a project. <clears throat> and I feel like that's a basic lack of having quality definitions for terms. Um, and, you know, I'll wrap it up by saying to me, the most important thing in most of the NFT projects that I look at is transparency. It's not this anonymity idea that, okay, the guys who founded Board Ape Yacht Club may not be known, but they did that years ago and the industry has changed and things, have, you know, maybe that's not even a great example of it, but now we're in a time where there's so many scams happening that people need to be more upfront and more transparent with the community and do a better job of docs themselves so that their reputation's on the line in a way that people feel like they can't just take the money and run, right? 
And I think I think those are things yeah. that some people just get I stuck think... in a past. I was just going to say, I think yeah, people I... get stuck in a past iteration of NFTs, right? They get stuck in what was acceptable six months ago. And they go, well, that was acceptable then, so it should still be acceptable now. And I, I just don't feel like that's the case. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think that's a valid point. Um, a lot of what I've seen, what i been seeing too, because something, I mean, one of the main reasons behind this space is the holders holding the creators accountable. Um, I think part of that too, speaking from my experience uh, before I was kind of in the creator capacity, I think part of... Uh, the NFT space is everybody, creator, uh, investor, buyer, developer, programmer, community manager, all of that really falls on everybody. And what I mean by that is there are, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Hodel, on this one, I believe the last number that we looked at was there's about 3 million active investing wallets for nfts and that's worldwide across multiple blockchains and part of what goes into looking into a team and doing the research because that was something that i was very passionate about um i have a background in law enforcement and uh, i really enjoy doing investigation and researching people because part of my background is as a, a part-time stock options trader and just straight crypto since like 2017 and i have never nor will I ever invest in hype or an image or uh, and just an excited community and I think a failing that the entire space has had recently is you're right that the market is it's always shifting it's evolving it's new it's in its adolescence it's constantly looking for new ways to grow and kind of really spread its wings so we, as the experienced traders, need to make sure that we're giving accurate information to the new people that are coming in. Just because somebody says that a team is docs and gives you a link to a LinkedIn profile, that has no bearing on whether or not they know what they're doing. We have to be able to go in and look and really put in the legwork, which is where I specialized in when I first came into the NFT space. Because I can... It's in the end, everything that we're doing other than the legal aspect, and that's only if they make it available is it's all on the internet. It's, it's images and JPEGs and PNGs and profile pictures and screen names. So it's, it's something that the entire, entire space overall needs to start doing better for the new investors coming in. Cause the thing that's going to carry the nft space and web3 overall is how how easily we get to a mass adoption style of pretty much everything and part of that's going to come on a lot of it falls onto the holders too a lot of the communities that i go on where somebody says hey this person's docs here's their linkedin and i go and i look at it and it's 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 bare bones like we have to be able to explain to people that are newer how we as experienced traders go in and look for not only the people, but the connections, the network, who do they have working on their team? Who are they networked with? Who's connected to them? All of that stuff really plays a part in it. 
So I want to follow that up. So Movix said something. The space keeps changing and we all have to adapt. Okay, I acknowledge your statement. I am not attacking you with my response. I want to I want to phrase it this way. <clears throat> in my career, if I ever find people in, in companies, management, this is why I do corporate turnarounds because this conversation happens a lot. Oh my God, the competition's doing this. We have to go this direction. Okay, I call those people sheep. That's what they are. I have never in my career bothered with competition. I'm too busy either selling or doing. And so my response is, I acknowledge what you're saying, and it frustrates me to see people going, oh my God, the community is going this way, and Web3 won't accept me. And I'm like, die in a fire. Like, I don't, I don't care if, if it's changing every 30 seconds. This story already happened. Okay, it happened before the dot-coms. It happened when computers came out, okay? It happened many other times. So my, my, like, oh my God, you got me going because I'm like, I don't really care if it's changing every 30 seconds and, you know, everybody's swimming like this and it's going to change. If we don't collectively set the standard, this is not going to work. So now I want to, I want to really kind of tune y'all up. So... Okay, I'm going to talk about something very, very simple. Invoices. Y'all know what an invoice is. You get an invoice from a vendor. Say it's on your house. You do invoices if you run a company. Okay, invoices. So there's this really cool story. Um, oh, God, I think this, and David, you, I think, I thought we talked about this. About three years ago, this dude in Germany got arrested and I think this is probably a bad place to get arrested because they took this very seriously. He had created a company that would go and find all of the registered vendors, which was publicly available for Microsoft and other places. And he would change it with like a period or an LLC. And he would send fake invoices for $1,000 and $1,000. And he did it for years. It was amazing. Why? Because you send it to big companies. Okay. Where is this rant going? Well, one day he got greedy and he sent an invoice for a million dollars because there was a big project and, you know, they broke down his door and beat him. What is an invoice? An invoice is a PDF. An invoice is a document. An invoice is an NFT. So if y'all want to think about the implications of the conversation we're having right now, I have already talked with friends of mine about this. I just don't have the physical time. I think it would be fantastic because... I live and breathe off of invoices to take all of this stuff that we're doing and switch away from, you know, art. I love art. I love music. And how about invoices? Take all of the stuff we're working on and turn invoices into something that is using the blockchain for what it was meant and actually just eliminate fraud. Not hard. Do you know how much work that would take? Well, we have all of the pieces, but nobody's trying because the actual entire industry is still trying to figure itself out and we think it is this thing. It is not this. It is the next piece where you take what we're talking about and enterprises are doing it and small businesses are doing it and they're using the chains the way that they were intended not to push around art. Okay, I'm done with my rant, sorry. All right. 
Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm going to mute myself. All right. Just well, real, just real quick. Let's I go to legal. About, I think we're talking about the same thing in different ways. I'm not talking about things changing as far as what the trends are in the market. I was I was trying to refer more to, like you said, kind of implementing a certain standard of how business should be done in this space and how that seems to be changing as we go through. And part of it, I think, is for lack of information. And like I said, definitions of specific terms and things like that. So anyways, I don't want to hold the chat up anymore. Go ahead, uh, guys. Okay. So I, you're talking about the unwritten rules of baseball. That's basically what we're talking about. Act yeah, a certain basically. way, behave a certain way. I, yeah, I, I, I knew where you were going. And, hey, you got, a, you got some other requests. Let them talk. Oh. Uh, let's see. I was getting ready to add a couple of people. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. while while you add someone, just quickly. It's important to look at how new this space is, right? Uh, Guardian spoke to it very briefly, but when you said there's about three million active users, it was close. I think it's just above three point seven, and that's across all blockchains. If you factor in just Ethereum, which most projects are working in, it's about one point nine. One point nine million is just about. 1% of the global population, uh, sorry, 0.1% of the global population. So if that scales up to 1%, the market is going to look completely different, right? So everything does change quickly, but it is because this market is in infantry. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's minor leagues still, um, things will change day to day, minute to minute and having that flexibility to, change with those quote-unquote unspoken uh baseball rules of baseball is really important to a startup um so i don't know i won't rant too long i'll let that be that but uh <laughs> gotcha. we're, we're, we're brand new we're brand new all right uh, because he had his hand up earlier abdul we're gonna go to you and then dylan will go to you hi guys i'm abdul i'm from pakistan and i'm very new in nft spaces but uh today uh, I feel that you guys are doing amazing. This topic is really, really needed. And I think uh, uh, what my question is uh, that uh, how can I uh, specifically uh, know the people that I'm going to invest with? Like everybody's selling NFTs and yeah, you can check uh, they are dogs and we already talk about this, but uh, really when the uh, people trying to sell something, they give you whitelisted and you minted NFT and you hold it. But after that, some of project, uh, some of uh, founders disappeared and nobody is hearing us. Uh, so what you guys are thinking and what you guys are doing for that, that is my question. Uh, uh, I'm sorry about my language. Maybe you misunderstood something. Yeah, you're you're perfectly clear. Nope. I get you 100%. So, because I've seen so many Discord uh, linked every day, so many invited invites, and this is horrible. Like, uh, what is going to happen next if I invest in ten projects? What I'm gonna do with that if they run away? My money is money will disappear. Like. How can I trust people? This is main question. And you guys are doing amazing, but I really uh, want to know something that what what do you think and how can you uh, the, uh, the investor, like the holder, the investor, how can you, and what are you trying to do for that? 
I mean, that's that problem is common in any any type of investment, right? Um, with the way that Colin has been speaking about things, it's you have to look at the legal structure behind the business. That's that's your best bet. Um, but these projects that you see the the owners vanish or they fall away happens all the time. Um, it at the beginning uh, was really easy to get away with. So people were quickly pumping and dumping projects and making millions. Um, at this point in time, and it's still just the very beginning of having regulation, but that's starting to catch up with those people um, because the blockchain is forever um, and is a permanent record of everything happening. Um, it is possible to retroactively catch these people. The problem that comes with that is that even though these people get caught, you're most likely not going to get your money back. Um, the vast majority of the time, if not every time, your money is gone. So looking for project owners, uh, developers, founders in the space um, that are willing to show you the legal documents behind a business, maybe not in their entirety, but at least partially is really important. And then looking at the team, obviously. Um, Gothies is a, a prime example of that. And that's that, uh, What's the, correct me if I'm wrong on the term, but overdoxed. I believe that the term that was used. That's right, overdoxed. Yeah, so when you have a team that's willing to tell you everything about their background, not just their first name and the couple businesses that they claim to have worked for, right? If you can go look and see this person is actually associated with Disney or Pixar and all these other big names that are commonly dropped in the space, if you can actually go see their, their history, then you're probably on the right track. These people that use just a first name and say they worked at I don't know, there's tons of different examples, but I'm going to keep using Disney because it's the most common. You see, hey, I was an artist with Disney for 15 years. My name is John. You can't go look up John at Disney. You know, it, it's, it's not possible. So most of the time, those people, like there's technically no punishment for saying your name is John, you worked at Disney, unless you associate it directly to the person. So it's a really, really quick way to get people very excited about your project. So being able to look into those histories, whether it's through LinkedIn or other platforms is is your best bet for staying safe in the well, space. Well, you know, a really a really nice way to, to follow that up is um, <clears throat> um we'll take Enron. Okay. Uh WorldCom was a good one. Enron was another one. And then um Madoff, Bernie Madoff. The way that I would respond to you is it doesn't matter how well we do. That is a personal and professional choice. And, and that's just that's just who we are, the people that you're talking to. <sighs> Lots of people got wiped out with Enron. Uh, that was that was that was a special sort of detonation. Worldcom, nobody really paid attention to it. They should have. Um, and Madoff, Madoff was a straight up Ponzi scheme. And so, so my answer to you is, your gut feeling is your best answer. If you don't know or you don't trust it, don't do it. And that, that's that, that, that FOMO thing. Like, <clears throat> I mean, seriously, lots of, lots of people got wiped out on the things that I just described. And those were in industries that had oversight, they had audit, they had compliance, they had the government. And guess what? They still stole more money than God. Hey, by the way, fun fact. Did you know that the uh, former head of 
Enron Broadband <clears throat> left a few months before the thing detonated, took all of his money, and became the single largest land owner in Colorado. You know how many people gave a shit? None. What's so his he, name? Oh, I'd have to go look it up, but he's I mean, he he was he was the guy who created Enron Broadband, which oh by the way, wasn't actually a real business. But he took so much money with him on the way out the door that he absolutely knew that it was gonna fall apart. They didn't prosecute him. He just moved. So anyway, I, I wanted to answer you directly in the sense of no matter how much we do, you you have to trust your gut feeling. And if you don't do your own research, I, I don't know what to tell you. And and I'm not being rude about that. Like do your own research should literally be I think do your own research and trust your gut feeling should be a tattoo. Yeah, and kind of going off to the point too of what you can do, Abdul. Um what I always and this is something that I always tell any new investor that I that I talk to, the biggest investment that you can make in any investment field is in people. Like the first thing that you should look to invest in is start talking. Get into a community and start talking to the people. Because if you see a Twitter account or a Discord and account and all they're doing is just constantly retweeting and reposting messages saying, hey, come check out this cool project that I found. It's like buying Bitcoin at $14. If that's all they talk about, I don't even waste the energy on that person, that account, anything. The first thing I do when I enter into a community is I start talking to the people. I don't, like, I'll look at the roadmap, I'll look at the team, just so that I have a basic understanding of what the project is about. But one of the first things that I start investing in is in the people and start talking to them, having in-depth conversations. And don't be afraid to, to question stuff because all these projects are, they're startup companies, the vast majority of them. So you should, as you, the investor, should start asking questions and don't be afraid to ask the hard ones. And if they ban you for asking a hard question, well, that's on them because they're valid questions. And if it's a solid question, they should have an answer to it. They should have already put in the time and effort into planning for their project to have a good answer for a good question. Uh, one more question I think came was coming from Dylan. Dylan, the, yeah, we brought you up and then never gave you a chance to talk. Oh, gents, that's fun. Um, thoroughly enjoying this here. Um, there's actually a comment made by, unfortunately, my my memory is really good, but it's short. And someone said something about uh, invoices being an NFT. And yeah, that's me. Okay, um, is that Colin? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Mm, the preface of ooh damn makes me curious um i guess i'm looking to do something where we turn like real work experience into nfts and so i was just curious if there are a couple companies or anybody that you'd point me to that's currently doing something with invoicing or some sort of document oh god no so look just hit me up directly just send the link find me on discord just send me a note this is a phone call this is a this is a multi-hour, multi-day. What you're what you're asking for does not exist except for some half-assed, decentralized horseshit that I've seen 
where people think that they're going to go change gigantic companies because they rubbed blockchain on it? Mm, um, okay. the, the answer is no. And, and if, I, if I find one, I'm still going to call bullshit because I don't think it's been thought out. You have to work backwards from the point of the enterprise or the small business and have all of the bits and pieces. This is, this is a very, very big chat. Would absolutely love to do it. So just hit me up. We'll have a good time. All right. I'll do it. Thanks, Colin. Okay, so let's move on to legal. Yes. Yes. Who's excited about legal? Yes. Yeah, we, we all are. Yeah. Very excited. Very excited. Oh, my God. Everybody needs a pulse. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's legal. So, what are we doing? So we, Colin, and I'm looking at you. Not you technically. You're not technically looking at me. Everybody needs to completely dox themselves from basically saying here's our legal representation and why did you say that i don't know it might have been a justification of the lawyer bills i've been writing might make me feel better um (laughs) no yeah the the one those of you who laughed understand i mean the pain's real um so so i did that that was one of my late night jump on the community blah 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 why not? Okay, so so look, like, you know, I've already said the name of our firm, and I actually do need to put it up on the website. Okay, that's easy. But why wouldn't I? So if I do that, then then I am simply adding another level of, hey, I have this group. I'm paying for this group. We're doing this work. Here, you can go check them out. And if the law firm is Better Call Saul, you should be terrified. If the law firm is reputable, then, then that should make you feel better about the investment decision. So that was, that was a lot of the reason that it just lit me up where I was like, well, why not? Like, you know, we're also <clears throat> planning on, and I just haven't gotten there just due to time, but I've been talking with them a, a ridiculous group of entertainment lawyers out of California who, who are already associated with Maurice. Um, I'm going to pull the trigger on that. And the moment I do, I'll probably announce it because I'll be excited to have those people on our side and at the same time representing and protecting the thing that we are building and selling. So I think that that's that's where that came from. There you go. Hero, Guardian. Anything to add? Bueller. The legal discussion is going to be probably pretty short, right? Because it's just our belief that you need to be transparent about everything that you do as a business. And that means, you know, if that means that somebody can go out and find you in your trademark application, then so be it. But you need to be a hundred percent transparent with your, and as a consumer, you need to expect it. I know we haven't gotten to that part, that, that part yet, but you absolutely need to expect that from your NFTs and NFT projects that you're looking at. Somebody better talk quick. Cause I do have content. Oh, I'll let you keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm listening attentively. 
Yeah, just just real quick too. The part of the when it comes to doxing, I don't know, and maybe it's just my my personal, I guess, standing, moral ground, whatever. I will not like I I take pride in the work that I do, like being with the chip and helping out as a moderator with Gothies. I take pride in that, and I want to attach my name to it. I don't want a screen name. I want Jacob Mendes to be known as the one that's helping out in these different aspects. And maybe maybe that's just me, but I I don't know. I just I want to be known that this is stuff that I've done. Are you sure you don't want to be known as Death Panda? Sterling, Sterling, <laughs> you see what I did there? Sterling, there you go. Sterling, <laughs> I did that for you. There's the Death Panda. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, the funny thing is, Jacob, I got that LinkedIn request, and I was like, "Who the hell is Jacob?" Oh yeah, I did too. Hey, by the way, by the way, David, you know the other thing? I was like, "Oh my God, somebody's still using LinkedIn." Oh um, uh, yeah, that too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, LinkedIn. I, li- if any if anybody it, on the phone can do anything, can you please create create a new business that'll just kill LinkedIn? I'd appreciate I'm, you. I mean, I'll find I'll find my old MySpace login and friend you on there too. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. Um, I'm gonna one up you with my Friendster account followed up by my Well account. And your Google Plus? No, no, no. I said Well account. I I think that was very shortly after I was born. Yeah, it was darpening, dude. <laughs> like, like I was really excited when I got a a, a twenty four hundred. Was it? A, yeah, it was a twenty four hundred baud modem. That was like a great fucking day. Oh yeah, I know. I could play a game online then. Yeah, the Imagination Network became accessible to me. Anyway, okay. all right. So uh, legal. The next, yeah, legal. If you if you've got okay. not, if you've got something else for legal, yeah, otherwise yeah, but, we can go to expectations. No, no. So the legal thing. That, that I've been babbling at people about is what does IP mean? Okay, intellectual property. So Web3 and all of this horseshit abuses normal terms like utility. Okay, I hate the word utility because the short answer is what is the value? Oh my God. Um, they abuse all of these terms. And they say it's a property or they say it's a project. And, you know, the short answer to that one is, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're not even close. IP is, and and I am being very genuine right now. I don't swim in the world of IP. My partners do. And I have had to learn very quickly. And it costs a lot of money. Because these people create world-spanning properties that are the art, they are the music, they are the representation, they are the merchandise, plushies, hoodies, stickers, you name it. They are spin-offs. It is everything. That is IP. Anything, any derivative of the imagination is IP. And it frustrates me. Because I'm looking at this and I'm like, Bored Apes, good on them. I'm glad they created a super big brand. You see a lot of stuff that they're doing where they're they're like, oh, we're doing something different with IP. And I'm telling you, be very careful about that. Because guess guess who's not going to put up with it? Lawyers, big companies, entertainment, brands, 
they will arrive and they have established practices as to what you should and should not do. I want to tell you about a fantastic conversation with the entertainment lawyer when I started talking with her and she said, okay, well, so, you know, you're probably looking at anywhere from seven to 15 different LLCs in order for you to handle everything that you're dealing with, with the one property. And I was like, excuse me, what? And she goes, yeah, with Gothies. She's like, you, you have no idea what you're getting into. And I was like, no. And she goes, okay, you know, start with one, get it right. Do another one, get it right. But so when I'm, when I'm talking about legal, I'm not just talking about NDAs. Um, I'm, I am talking about IP agreements where the people who are working with you need to, need to, not should, need to sign um, right to work agreements. Because one day, one of you is going to create the next Google and you will be taken to the cleaners because somebody who worked for you went, hey, I invented that and you have nothing to prove otherwise. It's gonna happen, okay? So, so working, working documents, people who are working for you, it's, it's release, you know, whatever you create goes back to the company. And if you think I sound old, then just wait for it. It's gonna happen in the news. And I'm, not, I'm not bringing this up because, you know, ooh, I'm 46. I'm bringing this up because I've lived it. I've watched people do this to companies who didn't have their documentation right, who didn't plan. And you have to work through the basics of, do I have my agreements in place for my partners, for the community moderators, however far it is you want to go. Um, you know, anybody who creates content for you, with you, together, okay, great. And then we get to the big one, which is, you know, I'll, I'll give you a great example. If I if I look at like what Chip is doing, that's IP. That's heavy duty IP. And if they wanted to really waste some money, they could go down the patent route. But I'm not going to go that far. So so when you're looking at at your projects or your investments, this is important to me because I had to learn fast. I had to spend a lot of money, and now. I am OCD. Why does this matter to you? <clears throat> because now that I've wrapped enough of my head around it and I have enough legal help and, and I'm not going to screw this up, I am now capable of accomplishing something for the community. And I was talking with David and Garth about this and the mods the other day, is that now we're going to sit down and write out our document, the white paper. We're going to tell you what we're going to do. And I actually called Skip about this. So, so think about what I'm saying. The creator of the property. The art, the music, the idea, the story. Oh, by the way, he actually can tell you what the TV show is. Okay, I, this is all coming out of one dude. He is intent on IP, legal, and licensing. I called him and said, hey, I want to work on this for, for our community. And he's like, yeah, it's okay. It's cool. He understands that I've got enough of a grip where I'm going to come up with something and allow IP rights for you to do things with us, not on your own, but with us, because I'm doing so much work to build multiple brands, multiple properties, spend the money, make it globe spanning, and by definition, you would benefit. 
So I'm not going to write a document that says, oh, yes, you can go make plushies. That's fucking stupid. Or hoodies. I'm not going to let somebody go screw up the brand. I'm going to figure out IP in a way that I can hand it out on Gothies, on Holly, on the third property, on the fourth property. And I'm going to make a template where even though you are probably not a lawyer, you will be able to read it and understand it. Okay, there you go. I'm done. We can move on to the next one. Well, you, you do realize you just dropped a bomb, right? In, in terms of what some bomb? of the things. Well, they, they hadn't really been publicly discussed that we were going to allow limited licensing well, arrangements as a part of yeah, Gothic, but that's what yeah, you just but, said. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm, not doing, I'm not doing this call to... Right. I, I mean this sincerely, everybody. I'm not doing this call to promote our company. I did this call because I am bent about business, legal, operations, accountability, and getting your shit right. So, so what I just disclosed about our property, yes, other people should probably do something with that and make it a marketing event. I was using it as an example of the thought and time and effort I'm putting into this because I want, I want this project and the next and the third and the tenth for you to look at it and go, wow, if I spent $5, $100, or $1,000, I actually understand what the hell is going on. There's no reason for us to hide, and there's every reason for us to do it together. So, yes, it was a bomb. Feel free to share that out or do something media with it. Nobody's <laughs> laughing. I don't, I don't even get, like, little emojis. Nothing. Well... And, and, and to to be honest, you know, Twitter Spaces has a decorum in place where not everybody's going to have their mic open, so don't expect a bunch of laughter. You know, it's it's not it's nothing personal. It, no, that hurts. That hurts. This is like my good content. Okay. <laughs> so the, one of the things that I want to talk to you guys about too, right? If you decide to go into the NFT space, you need to cover your legal bases because we'll tell you a story. And this is the first thing I told when when he said, "Hey, we're going to do plushies and we're going to do all these things." The first thing I said was, "Oh man, we're going to need another company for that, just specifically." And and it was it's harkening back to a story of of a, of a pretty early NFT project that was pretty successful. They started making their own shirts and stuff, and turned into a little Etsy business where they were making customized shirts to look like the nfts and all the, anyway the problem is when they were making the shirts they were making them with little you know little balls and little things on it too that bells and things like that well unfortunately the young lady didn't have the proper legal documents legal structure in place and one of the bells came off of one of the shirts and the kid choked and you you know where i'm going she's bankrupt because of the legal because of the lawsuit and it's an incredibly litigious society so it's not just it's not just setting up your companies it's also protecting yourself and protecting your investors protecting your holders because if you go belly up because somebody sued you everybody else loses their money too so those are the things you have to consider when it comes time to put the legal aspects in place for your business so anyway that's that that's it for that and I think we can start talking about what I talked about off the top, which was why will you scream at McDonald's when they don't put ketchup on your hamburger and you don't do shit when somebody rug pulls you? Can sheep. somebody answer that for me? No, no, that's just that's just sheep mentality. Like, 
It, it has to do with the lottery. Everybody wants to win the lottery. They think Web3 is the lottery. They think it's easy money because they read about it in the news. And everybody who's on here realizes, and, and I, I mean, Hero, Hero and Guardian were, were listing off the numbers of the amount of wallets who are actually actively investing. This space is controlled by people who got lucky uh, in terms of crypto. They are technologists. Okay, it is a very, very small group, but everybody else is reading about it and they want to win the lottery. They don't want to put in the work. So my response to that one is very simple. It doesn't hurt as much because maybe the next one, maybe you know, it's like going and buying your scratch off. Maybe the next one. You, you don't you don't want to piss on the thing that you think is the lottery. But if you don't get pickles on your hamburger, you're not winning the lottery. You can bitch all day long. <laughs> Movich, what you got? Um, it's funny that you, you guys are talking about this because I was just having this argument uh, with some people on a Discord server the other day. And I said, like, look, if you got held up at gunpoint at the ATM and somebody stole 300 bucks from you, you would probably call the cops and do something about it. You wouldn't just go home and go, well, I lost my 300 bucks. Who cares? Right. And so I think it's such an important conversation. I, I had something I wanted to say about legal, but I don't want to hold up the, the Twitter talk. No, no, um, no, no, no. Go ahead. Do the legal thing. Well, yeah, you're, you're a little too excited about legal for me, Colin. Um, no, no, I think it's great. I, you know, I, I don't even know how to introduce the topic. One question that I wanted to ask you guys specifically is, Colin, I know you said you're 47. David, I know we, we know each other from a few servers. I don't know how old you are. I'm 40. He, he's older than I am. He should have a walker. Yeah, 51. Um, 51. So we've got, we know who the senior person is here now. There's one, one part of it that I want to ask is, do you think that it is, for better or worse, right or wrong, do you think that it is a, that there's a generational component to the legal aspect? Do you think that the younger people who are getting into this space and being creators and making their own projects haven't gone through some of the life experiences that some of us have and they don't see the downstream effect of not protecting yourself legally. You know, I didn't hear about the lady with the, you know, the kid that choked on the thing. That's a terrible story. And I'm sorry for the, whoever passed away and whoever lost their money and whatever. But like, I wonder, you know, about things like that. Is there, do people of our age look at it much differently than a younger generation of people? So, so, so the way that I would answer that is a, the way that I talk to my 15 year old son. So my son has been listening to startups and entrepreneurship and business his whole life. And thank God, because I wish somebody had have told me this stuff when I was in my twenties. I wish, I wish somebody gave enough of a shit because the answer to your question is we have physically lived long enough to fail. Correct. Okay, so so I think the answer is yes, a lot of the people on here. And so the other thing that I would actually express is I keep running into people who are in their 20s who are fucking banging it out. They know what's going on. It's not everybody. I've run into people who are in their 40s and 50s who are not doing the basics. I think it's just simply the thing that the thing that you that you probably aren't being told. Okay, very simple example. Best thing in the whole wide world you could ever get is a CPA because, oh my God, doing your taxes is tough. Doing your taxes when you run multiple businesses is even harder. <clears throat> I wish somebody had have told me that years ago. I just had to learn it. So, so 
I don't know that it's age because I've encountered both sides, but that's why we're doing this, which is we're not starting a movement. We're just having a conversation with people who are going, well, okay, it'll get there. Yeah. I I think in that regard too, because uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm 26. So I'm, I'm a little bit younger than Colin and David are throughout my life. The way that I was raised is that the idea that the smart succeed because they listen to the wise and the wise succeed because they've experienced failure. So I, I think there is a, uh, a gap in that regard just because of how exciting everything is. It's all digital and it's the new age. So there are a lot of people that are just jumping on it out of excitement because that goes into the idea behind, is it a rug pull or is it just a failed project? Because I think the a majority of the ones out there aren't scams and rug pulls. I think it's just the team that had a great idea that tried to implement it, but lacked the experience and they lacked they they lacked the drive and the knowledge to seek out the people that are wiser in that area yeah and to to speak to what guardian just said um i'm going to top this off this is my shining moment right here Um, i believe i'm the youngest of the group at 23 um that being said i was raised in an entrepreneurial family i've got 14 years of work experience on my resume at 23 and there's a long story there and I can go into it some other time just message me on discord I'd be happy to happy to talk about it but uh yeah it all comes down to experience I mean you were you were the one I was referring to when I said that there are ones who actually know what they're doing yeah and it's uh thank you and it's um for me the the biggest thing and I use the quote all the time and it's a great quote is um your your network is your net worth um, for me, I've been lucky enough to network with hundreds of entrepreneurs over the last 10 years. And that comes from a, being born into the right family and having that drive in the family and having that be an important part of my childhood. But I've learned significantly more from my mentors and advisors over the years than I, I would have learned in school or whatever it may have been. Um, and for me, I got to, because of those connections, I got to experience their failures from kind of a third party point of view. Like I didn't have to deal with the consequences personally, but I got to see what it looks like when you fail to proceed properly legally and you have to sell your house um, or you don't file your taxes properly and they catch up with you. Um, I have, my uncle is also an entrepreneur and he runs a business called Exploration Sites. You're welcome to look it up. It's a great business. Um, It's uh, graphic design, pitch decks and website development for, uh, mining companies. Uh, now globally, it used to just be Canada. Um, but he started his business at 17 after dropping out of high school. And he had to learn the hard way a lot of times. And his taxes caught up to him in his late 20s, and then caught up to him again after he paid those off in his late 30s. And, you know, just like to what Colin said, like, C- CPA is, is, if you're looking to get some form of education, it's a great place to start. Um, but to wrap it up, the ex- experience end of the day is the most important thing. And for me, age doesn't matter. I, um, with the chip I employ, I believe our youngest member is uh, pretty freshly 19 years old. Uh, he runs our discord, but he's been working in tech because of his dad since he could, since he could type, um, the kid is a whiz and he, uh, he works with tons of different projects and works in security and discords and. 
don't know. Age is just a number. Experience is what really counts, in my opinion. Well, there you go. That's 100% right there. And uh, I would really encourage you to buy a battery. <laughs> a battery, eh? Yeah. yeah. For, the, for the smoke detector that's chirping in the background. You can hear that? There's no way this is picking that up. Okay, give me a second. He, he, he can hear that. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going back to mute, and uh, I am not blushing. <laughs> My dogs could hear it. They were going crazy in the back. <laughs> Chaos. Okay, I'm going to go plug <laughs> in a new battery while you guys talk, and I will be listening oh. attentively. What was, our, what was our next one there, David? Uh, with consumer behavior, right? Is, is why, why do good projects fail? And if they don't achieve an instant return, it's this instant gratification. And it kind of goes back to the whole, you know, it's a psychological thing, right, of reinforcement. So, you know, if you get positive reinforcement, that is, that's good. If you get negative reinforcement, that can also be good. But if you get reinforcement that is, uh, oh, what's the word? I've forgotten what it is. Anyway, it, it, it's not always... It's not, you don't always get reinforcement. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the, the basics of gambling, basically, right? I was going to say selective reinforcement, but that's wrong. So if somebody knows the term, you know, throw it up in the chat or something in our, in our discord server and I'll see it. But it's, uh, it is sporadic basically for, for lack of a better term, it's sporadic reinforcement. Sometimes you are positively reinforced. Sometimes you are not. And there's been X number of studies that'll go out there and tell you that when they put mice in a cage and they say, sometimes you're going to hit the button and you're going to, and you're going to get something that basically makes you feel good. And sometimes you're going to hit the button and it's not, they ignore food to just hit that button over and over and over and over again. And that is the mind of an addict, right? Or the mind of a gambler. And so that is where the consumer behavior has gotten to with NFTs. I believe that people at the end of the day, treat NFTs as gambling. And that's why they're not mad when they lose their $900 because, oh, over here, I, I bought a, I bought a, a you know, spaceship that appreciated and, and went from uh, 0.2 to, to 1 ETH. So I, I'm fine. I, I, I hit that one and I, I missed the other one. So that's, you know, why do good projects fail? Because when you don't immediately get that lift, Everybody just crucifies you. Yeah, I'd say that that's fair. Uh, there was a project that I was watching Mint today that I was really excited about. So it was, it's a, it was a project that was focused around AI, and they boasted a team out of Montreal, Canada, which is the AI capital of the world. And they have 250 professional programmers and coders that work for them. So that, and I, I did the, the due diligence and the research on the team. They had a great team and everything looked great. And then they had a small hiccup with their contract, which part of that does, a lot of that does fall on the team. But then I go into the Discord and I look and I see everybody just set on tearing the house apart and just burning it to the ground. It's, it's, it's the internet. And for those of us that, are over, very experienced in the internet, you know how quickly it can turn into just a toxic cesspool of people bashing on each other and just tearing each other apart. Right. Sterling, what you got? 
Well, going along with this is from a consumer perspective is why people have FOMO. There is a certain uh, behavior uh, specific with negotiation. It's a psychological term called competitive arousal. And it's when it was coined by uh, uh, whoever the hell wrote the HBR article, Harvard Business Review article. Either way, what basically what they said is there becomes a point in um, purchasing decisions or negotiation and what have you where we stop become we we stop be, being rational consumers and we start trying to win and that means buying you know this nft before it mints out because you've been in the discord for 6 months and all they say is it's going to moon and it's going to moon and we're going to set this record floor blah 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 um so it happens to all of us it's happened to me more times than I'd like to admit where all of a sudden, I've been telling myself for a week that I'm not going to mint this project. And then all of a sudden, I see, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, everywhere. I see it. It's trending on OpenSea and whatnot. Uh, maybe I should buy into it. And then, boom, it, it plummets. So competitive arousal, that, that fear of missing out, is, is very much real. And we have to, at that point in time, we have to do something like set your phone down step away, put all technology down, go for a walk, you know, wait an hour, wait, wait 24 hours, what have you, and then make a decision. Um, if you see a project that's at, you know, 0.2 right now, uh, and it just got released or it's been trending for the last six hours, sleep on it, wait a day, wait two days, and then, then make a decision because one or two things going to happen. It's going to really take off. And at which point, you know, you have to make a decision or it's going to plummet, at which point you're going to have to make a decision. So that's just how I see it. Movich. Um, one thing that really drives me crazy about this space, and I see it more on what I'll call bad projects as opposed to good projects, is that there seems to be from certain people, you know, everybody does things their own way, but there seems to be this kind of, in some instances, it's sort of a pack mentality, like the one guy was saying, when you, when something starts to turn, everybody turns on it or whatever. I've seen it go the other way, where there's a bad project, I'm on a Discord server, I'm listening to people talk, they're trying to hold the development team accountable, they're trying to get information, they're trying to do things. And then you have the people that are in those Discord servers, and as far as I know, they're not bots, but maybe they're fake accounts by the developers, who knows what, but they're like, well, I took a shot on this. Why are you even putting money in if you couldn't afford to lose it? Like, there's this real kind of apathy for the other people involved in some of these projects. And that, you know, it, again, I think it's one of those things where the communities that I've been a part of that seem like good projects and whatever, they're these kind of nurturing, supportive places, right? Where everybody's working together, everybody's got kind of a common goal if the development team's good and transparent and communicating. But when you get into these bad projects, you see some really bizarre behaviors. And this is one of the things I've seen recently where I've been on this Discord server talking with these people and like nobody cares about the people that got ripped off. They're like, well, you shouldn't have put your money in if you couldn't afford to lose it. Like, which is such a crazy concept to me. Like, it's so bizarre that that's that that's even a thought that's out there circulating among people like I'm here to gamble and I'm putting money in that I can afford to lose and I have no care like i hope this is the next board ape and i become a millionaire and if it's not that's fine for me but who cares about anybody else 
involved that's lost money as well. And I think this kind of goes to, you know, sort of the larger theme of this chat in general, which seems to be kind of an accountability conversation, right? Whether it's from a legal perspective, whether it's from a financial perspective, whether it's your creator and you want to do right by your uh, followers that are supporting you and buying your product for lack of a better term. Um, but it's, I mean, I think there's a lot of psychological things that happen, but it's just an interesting thing that hasn't kind of been brought up that there's people out there who don't care. I lost my 900 bucks and just because it doesn't affect me, I don't want to hear that it affects you. Yeah. Right. Now, you get, now you're getting into the, the area of investment trading in this regard, because the market overall, like we had said, is relatively small. And something that people don't often think about is if you make a good flip and you sell a project when it's at the all-time high or it's at a high, uh, a high mountaintop, you're making money because it's a transfer of wealth. You making that money means somebody else just got screwed over. And a lot of people don't realize that, but that's, that's the gamble. That's the name of the game. Yeah. I feel bad slightly, right. That I, that I sold my crypto bat before they were actually revealed. And so I sold my crypto bat for, I don't know, two point something ETH and they crashed. I, I, you know, sometimes I think about whoever bought that bat, that they're sitting on, you know, well, not very much, but sorry, Mobin, I, cu- I cut you off. No, it's actually, it's a good thing you did. Cause I was about to yell at people for doing that exact thing. So, you know, I, I, I was following a meta pirates project, which people are saying is the rug has been pulled on that or whatever. And I remember I was in a discord server with like a side server that was set up by people who were talking about the project in a way where they wouldn't get kicked off the server or whatever. And somebody in that group, like, minted one listed on OpenSea and sold it right away to make like a hundred bucks. And I was like, how can you feel good about now in your case, obviously you didn't know that it was not going to do well or whatever, but like this was a project that most of us, the general consensus was this isn't going anywhere. They're not going to sell out. The bottom's going to crash, whatever. And I was like, you know, I don't know. It, it wasn't the kind of thing that, but that's what's happening out there. Right. There's people that go, yeah, I, I minted this thing. I put it on OpenSea. I sold it before the mint before everything fell apart and I guess they feel good about making a little bit of money, but they don't necessarily feel bad about selling a literal pile of crap to somebody else. You know, um, it's, it's an interesting, True. like, you know, and, and I always tell people that have FOMO when I talk to people in discord servers or when I ask questions on some of these servers and people reach out to me, there's not a, I don't have to, you don't have to lose for me to win. If this project hits and I was wrong about it and you invested in it and you made money, that's awesome. There's going to be a hundred projects tomorrow. Like this whole idea, this FOMO thing is really, it's interesting to me from a psychological perspective. But if you, if you take a step back and go, okay, maybe something will happen with this. Maybe I'll, you know, and I have projects like that where I look at the NFTs, I'm not sure about it. And I go, well, I'm just not going to mint one. I'm going to wait and some paper hands will come in and, you know, they'll get flipped in the beginning. And if it looks like things are trending in a good direction after the mint, you can always still buy in. Um, And if it doesn't work or if it goes to the moon, you can't afford it. Believe me, there's going to be another NFT project that you'll have a chance at. Right. So uh, one thing I wanted to return to, Guardian. You talked about a project that you were following, and I think I know which one that project is, right? And, And they had all these mines 
they had all these developers and they didn't do the most basic thing that you have to do when you're running a transparent business. Get your goddamn contract audited. Why didn't they do it? Because they had so many technical minds that they felt like they could just, oh, hey, audit this for me. Peer review, right? We do that in my company all the time. Peer review, it goes to production. Great, wonderful. Not with this. It, it, our CTO looked at their contract. He picked up their contract at six o'clock his time. In nine minutes, he was, oh, guess what? This function right here, when you mint multiple tokens, it passes. It does not augment the token ID. There's a bug in the contract. So the same token ID gets passed and the transaction fails. That's why they had so many failures because they passed two of the same token IDs and they wouldn't have had they just had their contract audited. So some of the, some of the grief that they were taking absolutely deserved because they screwed up. They needed to get their contract audited, which is obviously something we're going to do. Another thing, if you guys have not seen the 721R, relatively new standard for Ethereum NFTs, the 721R, is in, they're calling it the anti-rug pull because what it does is it allows for a certain configurable length of time, the funds are locked in the contract and the user can demand, not demand, can initiate a refund. If they don't like it, if you don't follow through on your shit, whatever, the user can get a refund for that 90 days, 100 days, whatever the case is. And again, our CTO, Eric, you guys are going to get to talk to him here in a, in a week or so. Our CTO, Eric, was like, we need to do this because it's the right thing to do. It's transparency. It's we're not going to rug pull you. We're going to keep the funds in for X amount of time. You guys, if you don't like the direction we're going, you can get your money back. Right. So I would demand that from a contract and take a look at these contracts. They're they're out there. You can take a look at them on, on, on Etherscan. And if you know a little bit about Solidity, you can you can see how they're structured and you can see and find the bug if they don't have it audited and make sure that you get an audit report before you mint anything. And also one other thing that I'll say before before I yield off to somebody else is that there is a uh, there's a young lady in our in, in our group and, and I've run into her in multiple servers. Uh, she's a doctor, Savannah. You guys may know her. She always waits to mint, even though she's on the whitelist or whatever the equivalent of the whitelist is. She waits to mint to see how the project is minting. What is the pace of the mint? And, and if it's not progressing as fast as the creators said that would, or they were expecting to sell out in 10 minutes or whatever, and it winds up selling, you know, they had 10,000 NFT, you know, PFPs. And, uh, you know, one project that we're both on, you know, they were going to sell 10,000 NFTs and they expected to mint it out in two weeks. They sold 3,000 in a month. And you know what? It's, yeah. So she waited and wasn't going to mint anymore. Right. And the whole, the whole, that was the whole deal. And so taking that little bit of approach and not buying into that FOMO is really, really huge because you can see the direction a project is going or product before you actually make that decision. Yeah. It's the same thing I talk to people about in regards to, to doing the due diligence and doing your own research. 
I would, my person, me personally, and I tell this to new investors that talk to me, I personally would rather miss out on a rocket because of the fact that I took the time to do the research than invest and rush in and lose everything. And maybe it's just my personal trading style, but that's just how I look at it. That's why I didn't lose out a whole bunch of money on gas fees like a lot of the other people did on that project that minted today was because I waited 15 minutes before I even looked at that mint button just to see how the transactions were going. And lo and behold, there were 500 transactions and over 300 of them failed. Because there was a bug. All right. Why not? What you got for us? Yeah. So back to David's point about, you know, not being the first to jump in. So if everyone had that mindset uh, upon Mint, then who, who would ever jump in? If we're just kind of following the charts. If that was if that was the mindset, then you're right. It, it, everything would be a slow mint. However, it's not always the that that will ne- arbitrage just simply never exists, right? You can find arbitrage for a moment in time, and if you're lucky enough to find it, great, take advantage of it. But arbitrage ultimately always closes the door, right? If someone's going to take advantage, that's that's why Dutch auctions work because eventually someone is going to bite at a price that is more than what you're willing to. And then it starts the floodgates, right? And you have to get in whenever you get in. So if that's the case and you just simply exercise your own caution, then that's fine. Right. And, but if everybody had the same mentality of I'm going to wait until then, wow, that would totally, that would change the market dynamic 100%. But it's just never going to happen. Human nature will never allow that to happen. I need it. I need it now. Instant gratification, that's always going to happen. Do you mind if I quickly pop in for a second, guys? I, um, I just want to introduce, we've got uh, another creator as a speaker here, um, Zach Red, also known as David. Um, he's uh, founder of one of the projects that we're partnered with, and I was just going to give him the floor for a quick second to introduce before he starts speaking. Go for it. Hello. So, David, if you could just give us uh, who you are, what project you're from, um, who you're connected with, just quickly, just a brief TLDR. Sure. Thank you for having me. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Amazing. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm David. I'm currently calling in from Taipei, Taiwan. It's 10 in the morning for me. And thank you, Hodel, for, for having me. Um, lovely meeting you all. Um, in real life, um, I am a uh, program manager for a global accelerator um, for startups. And my project is called Ancient Urban Kids. And what we're trying to do with Ancient Urban Kids is bring um, what I've learned for the past few years, um, helping startups grow um, and connect and, and running accelerators. I want to bring that mentality and that um, experience I've, I've learned from um, and bring that to the NFT communities. Um, just briefly, I, I, I view every NFT community or any, any NFT project as a startup, um, co-founders um, figuring out how to bring a product to life. And it's exciting, exhilarating, and I think 
a lot of uh, connection building, a lot of um, mindfulness and, and mental fortitude needs to happen and support, right? So ancient urban kids, we focus on connecting our members and our community physically and also virtually. And that's what we're focused on, bringing that culture of supporting each other, growing a network for each other and, and connecting at a very intrinsic level and personal level. And that's what we do in our programs. So love to talk about more um, later. That's my, um, that's my TLER. Thanks, David. Cool. We appreciate it. And, and um, <clears throat> one of the things that is, uh, is, is ironic is that you, you pop in and give us that. And then, and this is pretty much where we're starting to end because at this point we're, we were going to open it up for any other questions that we had from people who have been listening in most cases for, you know, well over an hour and a half. And so uh, I just wanted to open up the, the, the floor to see if anybody else had any questions before we kind of wrapped it up. And, uh, and then we, and we, uh, we just hear from Colin if nobody asks questions. Oh, yeah. You guys better ask questions. I swear to God, I'll talk for another hour. I'll ask a question, but I'd rather if somebody else has questions, I've had a lot of time. So hopefully somebody else has something. Otherwise, I've got something else we can talk about. Don't have any hands up, so uh, passive support. passive listeners. All right, so this is kind of a, a I guess what I'll call a peripheral legal conversation. Um, I refuse to call him David, so I'm going to just use Big Yoda because it's my favorite name. Um, you know, we've known each other from a few projects, and I think <laughs> I told him. <laughs> Sorry, that's who you are to me. Um, you know, when we when we minted that, um, when we got into the Solarverse project and we minted our stars, that was around the time when I was first getting into NFTs. You know, I have such a bizarre background, I don't know how to succinctly describe it. The The part that's relevant for this is there was a time when I used to train, became a world champion, retired, and um started working with other pro MMA and uh, boxing people. And he manages some, some athletes. And he reached out to me because when I was discovering about NFTs was at a time when I was trying to start building a crypto mining machine. And so I kind of had that background of crypto technology coming into NFTs. And so this friend of mine reached out to me and said, hey, somebody wants to do an NFT project, you know anything about this? Can you talk to them? They want to bring some of our athletes into this space and do collaborative works with them. And one of the things that I looked at at the project, and this is one of my big red flags for NFT project in general was, or still is, you know, we touched on intellectual property earlier. And there are a lot of people who feel like intellectual property doesn't apply in the NFT world, which is simply not true. And the project that they wanted us to collaborate with them on it had a lot of things in it that were components of Star Wars or certain other, you know, Nintendo games or different things where you go, wait a minute, you can't use a Darth Vader mask in your NFT project because you're ex exposing yourself to liability through Disney who owns, uh, who owns Star Wars or Nintendo or whatever. And so one of the responses by us was, you know, we can't get involved we can't good conscience put somebody that we represent into a project where there's potential liability of a lawsuit down the road. Um, and that kind of opened up this IP floodgate 
and we had to go through and get some legal contracts and documents. At the end of the day, the deal never got completed. And I think it was as frustrating it was to spend all that time. It was a good learning experience. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's interesting as much as as much as you as a creator or you as a purchaser of something are getting involved in a project, you know, you always want to kind of protect yourself, right? And you don't know, sometimes you have to do a little bit of extra homework and go, oh, I want to collaborate with this person, but maybe they're bringing certain baggage with them that you don't want in your project, right? Um, and I think since we're discussing legal things, I think it's worth talking a little bit about that. And maybe Colin has some, some thoughts on that or um, different approaches or strategies or things like that, that um, I think, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about, but I always see these NFT projects and they've got some Mickey Mouse part of their artwork or whatever. And you, you go in and the first question I ask when I'm on a discord server is, Oh, do you guys have the rights to use these images? And the answer is always no. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be hard for me to hop on board with this project. Right. My response is hit me up directly. You and I can chat because <clears throat> we're not going to do it to everybody. Like, since we've been so that like these this is the fun part is is finding these longer fun conversations going through so just just you know find me on discord or find me on linkedin screw it i don't care how we'll have a good time all right sounds good colin any uh other questions that uh i'll take the floor if it's open Go ahead. So there's the you know the comparison that you know these projects are essentially startups and you know the analogy that it's kind of like an equities holding you know when you're buying an NFT you're buying essentially a share of the company as an investor. Um, you know there's can even go as far as saying dividends is kind of like an airdrop. Um, so to me, whitelist is kind of like the IPO offering. And a lot of equities that offer IPO have a lockdown period to kind of preserve that essentially floor price or share price. Do you think this space would ever adopt a lockdown period? You know, that's a great question. I've seen it done in a couple of projects to where it wasn't necessarily a lockdown, but what it was was the the idea that if you're going to try and sell this NFT, if you're on the whitelist and you minted, or you know, if, you, if it was the initial coin offering or whatnot, or the IDO, then you could do that. But the royalty or the transaction fee was heavily elevated. In, in one case, I saw a 90%. If you want to, if you want to flip it, flip it, but it's going to cost you nine tenths of what you, of what you sold, of what you sold it for, because we are discouraging. I do not necessarily advocate that for, for its own sake, right? However, I, I also don't mind if I am going to be one of the first people in, if they ask me to hold, I will hold. And if they even want to hold me accountable, then that's fine too. But what I don't really advocate in this space is for them to lock up 
your NFT. If you want to stake it for a, for a specific period of time, fine. That's still my choice. I can stake it with you, right? And and rather than you forcibly saying, well, if you want to hold on to your mint pass, then you will not sell this NFT. Well, okay, fine. You know what? That 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 they kind of is counterintuitive to the whole decentralized finance, right? No, the the and this is where Facebook Meta is going to come in and they're going to mess everything up because you know Zuck cannot cannot relinquish control, right? And that's going to set the standard for a lot of people that they don't really have control of their own assets, and they still call it DeFi or they still call it Web three or they still call it the metaverse. Because that's what Meta did, or Facebook. That's not what it is, right? So, long-winded response is: I don't mind it if you tell if you say it up front that we're going to have some kind of lockup period. If you sell, okay, you sell, but we would like you to stake it, as opposed to locking it to where, you know, the 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 person cannot do it. And if you and if you do it and you sell it and you forfeit your future whitelist spot, fine. You know what? That is your choice. And you're going to live with the consequences. So and that, that, I think that's another thing, right, is people don't want to be held accountable for the consequences of their actions. And therefore, they get pissed off when they have a negative repercussion when they when they try to flip their NFT and then they lose their whitelist spot. And they're like, oh, me, 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 me. that's me. That's me crying. But yeah. So well, and I thought I was salty. You're winning tonight, dude. Dude, yeah. I, sometimes I get sometimes I get a little cynical when I, it comes. I to like you. I like this version of you. Can I have this on a regular basis? <laughs> sure, why not? Like, yeah. This this yeah, this is what I'm looking for. So look, what I I I guess people can't respond. I mean, my biggest problem with this sort of thing is, you know. I like feedback. Like, was this useful to everybody? A whole bunch of people sitting there listening while we sit and bounce a ball back and forth is creepy to me because I like interaction. So, you know, was this a good one? Should we do this again? This was entirely because I have a very strong passion about business. There's a bunch of like-minded people. That's awesome. Like, this was great for me. But for the rest of you, like, I don't know. Okay, I see hearts. Yeah. Hearts are good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if you enjoyed it, throw us a heart emoji or, or clap. Or, or an o- open-handed slap. I'm a big fan of that one. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. <clears throat> so so I guess the thing is is that, you know, for for everybody here, for those who are talking Thank you for everybody who did this. Thank you for everybody who spent two hours of your life with us. You know that that's a, that's a lot to to, to contribute. Um, you know you can hit us up directly. I, I, I know at least at least one of you already did. You can find us on Discord. You can find us on LinkedIn. Like if if we do this again, it's going to be because. People came back and said, hey, you know, there's more to it than we just riffed on it. I mean, Hero and Sterling and Guardian, um, you know, definitely <laughs> Movic, we're going to be talking. Like, There's a whole bunch of people that I know we're going to be doing it. But if you want us to, again, like, please tell us. 
and, and I just wanted to say thank you for spending two hours of your life with us. Colin, it sounds like you're asking for the check. Is that my correct interpretation? <laughs> say, say it again. It sounds like you're asking for the check. So is that, is that the correct interpretation? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just had one quick response to David. What, what was the feedback from the community of that project that, that enacted that high royalty penalty? Uh, they um, ultimately broke my heart because it was a rug. That's why they were doing it. So they could hold the, they could hold the, that was a, that was a company called Brig Finance. And uh, any, basically this is a, this is a lesson. Any company that promises you high returns, if you can look at it and say that the, that they're returning you in the same coin that you're investing in, I guarantee to you they are paying your royalties out of the, the newer investors which is a textbook pyramid scheme. So just about every one of these finance things that you see, Brig, Ring, all of them, they're paying their investors in the same currency that you're investing with. And that to me signals once the investor pool dries up, if you haven't taken your funds out, you're dead, right? You, you, the, the music has stopped, you've got no chair. So. When you see a fight, when you see a company that's promising you returns and they're paying you in the same coin that you invested in, run. So there you go. I guess that was a I guess that was a mic drop. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, you kind of yeah, you won. And I'm gonna let you just I'm just gonna let you win on that one. That was great. I think we've got one more question coming from Alpha. Alpha Leon. Nope. Do you have, because we're wrapping it up right now. So if you've got a question, please hit us. All right. We're going to say silence implies consent. So. All right, we want to thank you guys for coming out and spending a couple of hours with us, and we're right about the two-hour mark, and, and hopefully you enjoyed the content. I think we're going to do some more of these in more of a community awareness type of things because, you know, we weren't here to shill our project. In fact, I, I don't think we really talked about the Gothis really more than about three minutes of the entire conversation, and so this was not meant to be a shill for us. This was not meant to to do anything other than to bring awareness to the NFT space to make sure that all of you have a little bit more education. If you haven't heard of the chip, are you guys, you guys are public now, right? Uh, we are public, but our invites are being batched out. So I believe uh, I'll, I'll plug it just because there's the space for it. But on my Twitter, there's a link with about 35 invites left on it. There you go. So go hit that because educational content coming from the chip is the type of thing that we're talking about, that you can learn a lot about the space. You can learn how to do technical analysis. That's a course that you can take from them, right? And, and it's, it's, a, it's a really good thing that we, that, that we have found in this collaboration that we have with them in, in that, you know, it, this is going to be a very, very good 
project, a very, very good thing that we can that we can get together and, and really talk about, right? In some of the in some of the content that they have and on their server and just, you know, and, and one of the other things you guys do, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have a you have a channel that's dedicated to like Discord servers that get hacked, right? Or am I dreaming? Uh, no, you are correct. And let me just quickly double check where we stand on that right now. So that's our security tab. And we have reported on around, well, security release 79 in a matter of only a couple of months. So Right. Uh, so if, if you guys join for nothing but that, you get you get a lot of great information about the space, how to keep yourself safe and how to how to find good projects. And there's some alpha in there too, right? So, um, here I am chilling for you guys. <laughs> so anyway, you guys, we really appreciate you coming and, um, you know, take a look at us, uh, hit you know, follow us on Twitter. Obviously we'll, we'll put out more news as to when we want to come online and talk about this stuff. And, uh, and we, uh, we have a, uh, we have a little project update that happens every Friday morning, United States time, uh, 6am central daylight time that is 11 a.m utc every friday morning and this that's going to happen tomorrow so uh with that any last words colin no thank you for doing all this um thank you for everybody who who participated asked questions spoke and more importantly for everybody who listened time is the one thing that we cannot get back so i appreciate that the most Fantastic. You guys, thank you very much. You can find a recording of this. If you missed a lot of it, you'll be able to find a recording of this uh, on our podcast, which is called The Tone of Gothies. It's available on Spotify and on Amazon.